this particular person, the disciple whom Jesus loved. So really, when you think about it, how much do you really know about people? It's interesting on Friday to be at a memorial service and to hear so many things about Rita and I'm sure that many of us heard things that we didn't know and there's lots of other things that could be said about her as well and really when you sit down and analyze it we don't really know a lot about one another sometimes do we and those of us that have been married for 10 20 30 40 50 or 60 years there are still some things that we may not even know about our part life's partner things that they may not have been told us so today we're going to just examine a little bit about this person who became to us, known to us as the, the apostle, you know, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And they're really, in a sense, as you go through John's gospel, he, he, that's how he describes himself. In, in the, these days, we would say these are some of the selfies, some of the things that he said about himself. And also, as, you, as we look at the other gospels, we'll find things that were said about, said about him by others. And so I'm going to give, we'd have a, a quick scan where we're going to see that he was a person who chose to wholeheartedly follow the Lord. He was a person that God was at work in his life. God was working in his life. He was one of those people who God was working with him in transforming his life. He was a, a person that was transformed. We're going to see some of the, the things about him, see some of his uh, flaws in his character and how that God was at work even despite those character uh, defects and it's the same for each of us we've got character defects and God is at work in our lives as well and he's transforming us and ch changing us so I'm going to make a few comments about his family you know we've got a little we've got limited information about this we know that he had an older brother called James and uh, they're often referred to as the the sons of Zebedee, there were two of them. It seems as though James was the older brother and John was the younger brother. We know that his mother's name was Salome and we know that he was an affluent family because they had a, a fishing business. In fact, uh, uh, Peter, and, 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 and Peter and Andrew also in, were in partnership with, with James and John in fishing as well. So, and, and also they employed servants, so they, they were probably a reasonably affluent family. And tradition tells us that Salome was possibly, possibly the sister of Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus. That's what a lot of the, the books you read, they say probably this, and it's, it's, it's there, it was referred to, and that's the tradition that's come down to us. We're not absolutely sure on that. It doesn't tell us, it's not absolutely clearly defined in the scriptures, but it's probably a, a pretty good, uh, probably reasonably true. And so in a sense, he possibly was even a cousin to the Lord Jesus and may have even had some contact with him in growing up. We don't know. You know, we can, you know those things, when, in, when you start speculating, we can may say all sorts of things that may be possible, but really we don't know for sure. But all we know is that John came initially into contact and he had some interaction with the Lord Jesus. And you read about those in Matthew chapter 4 and Mark chapter 1 and Luke chapter 5. And I'll just read a couple of verses to you uh, from Mark chapter 1. And when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing the nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with their hired men, and they followed him. So they left their fishing, and they, they followed the Lord Jesus. You know, 
One of the things also find that he was selected to be one of the, the 12 apostles when the Lord Jesus uh, selected his special 12, uh, James and John, you know, the sons of Zebedee were amongst those 12 and so John was one of them. One of the things also it seems as though he may have been a, a rather a person with possibly a fiery temper or, or it might have been just a passionate person because we read in Mark chapter 3 that uh, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, you know, and their name they were given was Boanerges, uh, which means sons of thunder. That's what the, the sort of nickname they had. And uh, they went to this, they near this Samaritan village and they weren't welcomed there. And in Luke chapter 9 and verse 54, it said, When the disciples saw James and John saw this, they asked, Do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? So I'm not sure whether he was just a passionate person that was really passionate for the Lord or whether he had some anger issues, maybe a bit of both. And maybe because they were Samaritans, he may have even had some, some issues about the fact that he was a Jew and they were Samaritans. I'm not sure. But all I know is that he wanted to call fire down from heaven on these people. And so he, you know, we see in this something of a, a man who was a young man who was zealous and keen, but also possibly angry, possibly you know, prejudiced a bit about other races. But nevertheless, God, the Lord saw the potential in this young man. And even though he had, his, had shortcomings, the Lord included him as one of his 12. And the same thing for us, as I've already mentioned. We've got a, I've got my shortcomings, you've got your shortcomings. We're not saved because of the good pe people that we are. We're saved according to the mercy of the Lord Jesus. And so here we find that John was one of those passionate people, possibly an angry person. Also, it seemed he was in on the inner circle with the Lord Jesus and there was the often referred to as John with Peter and James, you know, Peter, James and John together. And they were there when they saw a number of things happen. They saw a, a, a Jairus's daughter raised back to life again. They were up on the Mount of Transfiguration and they saw the Lord in all his glory. And they, and they witnessed that. They also were there in the Garden of Gethsemane when the Lord Jesus agonised in prayer. And so he, they were, he was one of those people who in that close knit group of the twelve, but he was on the inner circle of that Peter and James and John and the Lord were often together. And so it seems as though he was, had a real intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus. Another, well, as you go along and you read other things in the Gospels, you find also that alongside this, his mother and himself and his brother really were, you know, the, the mum was the, the spokesperson, but she made a request of the two of her brothers to sit on either side of the Lord when he comes in his glory, when he sets, set up his kingdom. And it seems as though he might have been a little bit ambitious and wanting to, take, wanting to be in, you know, in some sort of significant role. And Jesus used this experience as you go in, in, in Mark chapter 10, when it, come, when it refers to this, the Lord used this experience to, when this subject came up and the dissension that was there amongst the group came up. The Lord used this to talk about servant leadership. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 30, 43, it says, Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
So the Lord used this as a, a teaching tool to talk about servant leadership. And it appears that as you look at the life of John in its entirety, you'll see that it seems as though he became this great servant leader. It seems as though he took these words to heart and he applied them to his life. And the same for us. And we hear the scriptures taught we need to not just know about them, but we need to be applying them to our lives and living them out. And so here, John learnt this great lesson about servant leadership, even though he, uh, even though he, was, he, was flop, flop, even though he failed and tried to promote himself. But let's just go look at the last week of the Lord Jesus, because now we've, we've done, taken a few little th- snippets here and there. We're moving to the last week of the, the life of the Lord Jesus. And in John's gospel, and particularly John himself, spent, there's a lot of the gospel you know, that covers the last week of the Lord Jesus. And so here, one of the things that they needed to do was to celebrate the Passover. And Peter and John were sent to prepare the Passover. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 8, it says, Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. And during that Passover feast, John was, he was involved in all the organising and all the planning of it all. But he was the person that was there right beside the Lord. Yeah. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus was reclining next to him, is the phrase that's used in John chapter 13. So here he is, he's, he's prepared, helped to prepare the Passover, but even though in all the busyness of things, he hadn't forgotten about the necessity of remaining close to the Lord. And one of the th- interesting things is that after the Lord Jesus was crucified, when he was actually on the cross, when he was dying on the cross, John was the person who was asked to take that responsibility of looking after his mother. And so even though he was busy in doing things, he never didn't neglect the, the intimacy with the Lord. And the lesson for us is that all the busyness of our life, and, and, we, and we've always got we, you know, lots of things that we can do, but one of the things that all of, us have, all of us have got exactly the same amount of is the amount of time. You've got the same day that I've got. You've got the same amount of minutes in your day as the person next to you. It's what we do with them and how we use them. And so here, John, with all his busyness, he still did not neglect to keep his relations, his intimate relationship with the Lord alive. And he was, even though he was busy in, in getting organising the, the Passover, there he was reclining beside the Lord Jesus. He was close to him and he kept that intimate relationship. And that's possibly why the Lord asked, one of the reasons why John was asked to take the responsibility of looking after his mum, Mary. One of the things we also find is that John met the Lord Jesus when he was raised back to life again. He met the risen Lord. Seems as though he must have been reasonably fit. And when you read in John chapter 20 and verses 1 to 8 about how that Peter and John go to the, the tomb, John outran him, got there first. And when he saw, what, he saw the, what, the empty tomb, even though he did not fully understand what was there, verse 8 of John chapter 20, it says, John saw and believed. He didn't understand everything, but he believed, he knew that the Lord was alive. And it's interesting, when you come to the, the, the passage that I read the first few verses of, in John chapter 21, I read the last few verses, in between there's a story about the, the fishing that went on. They were out there fishing. They were trying to catch fish. 
And there was somebody out on the shore, and the, on the shore tells them to, where to cast their net. And they cast it in, and they got this great big haul of fish. John was the first person to recognize that it was the Lord Jesus who was there on the shore. He says, it's the Lord there. He realized it. He realized it was the Lord. And so it's interesting, isn't it? Here in the same passage that John was told that he would live to an old age. And that even though there were other, other, thing, other things were happening for Peter, Peter was sort of saying, what about this guy? The Lord said, hey, and we read that passage about how he's going to live to an old age. And this is the disciple that testifies to these things and who wrote them down. And you know that this testimony is true. So he, and he, all of this is, he's writing, as he's writing this, it's many, many years later. When he was an old man, he wrote all these words down. And one of the things is we find that he, can, he didn't, that wasn't the end for him, but he continued to serve the Lord. The meeting with the, the risen Lord had a fantastic impact upon him. And we find that he was continued to, to serve the Lord. He was there when the, the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. And one of the things is we find that he really witnessed boldly for the Lord. He was out there sort of sharing the gospel and preaching and, and it's Peter and John it mentions and it seems as though he was there in the, the shadow of, of Peter. Peter seemed to be overshadowing him. Peter seemed to be the one that was more prominent. But one of the things was that we, the passage that, you know, that's read many times, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And so that passage, that verse that's referred to often, that of the, the recognition of these people, that way the Lord had transformed and, and changed their life. And one of the things was they were told to stop preaching. And they, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 20, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And so they, Peter and John were being put, having pressure put on them to, to stop preaching and to stop teaching the word, stop telling about the, the, the fact that the Lord Jesus was alive and, and sharing the gospel. They said, we, we can't keep it in. We're not going to hold it back. We're not going to hold back. We can't keep this into ourselves. We've got to tell others about it. And one of the things was that uh, when they needed people to do things in the church, John was affirmed as a, a significant church leader back in, in Acts chapter 8. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John them. So they needed these two guys to go out to, to check out what was going on in Samaria. So John was one of those people that was sent with Peter. And one of the things also uh, in Galatians chapter 2, it talks about the people being pillars of the church. And this is a, a different James to the James, the brother of, the, of, of, of John. But there's the James, this is the James, the brother of all. It says James, Peter and John were repeated to be pillars of church, the church. And so here they were, they were regarded as being significant leaders. God had had his hand upon this young man who was a fisherman, young man who had a, possibly a hot temper, possibly some racial prejudice. Whatever. God had taken him, was using him to, to build his church and to grow his church. And one of the things as... As, going, as they went on in his life, he had a, some setbacks. Isn't that true for each of us? We, sometimes we're sailing on in our Christian life and things are going well and we're you know, really proving the Lord and, and suddenly we get something that comes from left field that could easily knock us. Now, John and his brother James were significant church leaders and they, they had, there was a lot of attention from the, the religious, Jewish religious leaders. 
And one of the things was that they started to persecute the church. And Herod Agrippa was one of those people who was involved in this. And it tells us that he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And Peter was put in prison at the same time. Peter was released, but James was killed, was martyred. And so John lost his brother, this person that he'd been with. He'd, all the time he'd been with the Lord, you know, the two of them all, seemed to be almost inseparable on many occasions. And suddenly his brother was killed. He had to go through the, 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 the grief and the loss of his brother being martyred. But that didn't stop him. Even though that, he went through that experience, we find that he continued to serve God. And God continued to use him. And we, read, we go to the, the latter years of his life. It, we're told by, that he came to be stationed in, in Ephesus as a, the leader of that church. And while he was there, he, was, he referred to himself as the elder. And we read about that in, in 2 John and 3 John because he wrote, there are a number of books in the New Testament that are written by him. There was the Gospel of John and there's the, there's the three epistles and also the book of Revelation. were all written by this same apostle. And so he refers to himself as, as the elder. Here he is serving God, continuing to serve God, continuing to prove God to be there with him, finding that with God was helping him in all the different situations. There he was serving God and living for God. And, and along the way, he was the one that was still alive. And, and the other apostles were all possibly dead by, this, by, you know, by the time he wrote the, the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation and the epistles. And so he's he referring himself as the elder. And the book of Revelation gives us a number of insights of the sort of person that he was. He stood firm for God. And even though he was, as an old man, was persecuted and exiled to an island there in the Mediterranean called the Isle of Patmos, it was there he practiced the presence of God. It tells us that he was in the spirit. He was a person who had this close, intimate relationship with God. And that's an encouragement to me because I've seen many Christians go really well. They start off in their Christian life and they go along and, and sometimes as they get towards the end of their life, I've seen a number of Christians become very bitter, angry Christians. Not so with John. He might have been an angry man to start with, but it seems to me he was a person that was a godly man who was practicing the presence of God in his life and the, he was allowing the, God to continue to work on him and to mold his character and to shape him and to be the person he was. and he wasn't prepared to compromise he could have easily compromised his faith but he wasn't he was and even though he, he was exiled onto this island it was there that the Lord met him and he shared this experience of his meeting with God. If you read about in Revelation chapter 1, the, the account of the, the vision that, he, that God had given to him. And it seems to me he was a person that had, over the years, had let the word of God soak into him because in a lot of the, the terminology that's used as he describes what he saw, he alludes to passages of the Old Testament. He, in verse 14, he said his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. Go to the book of Daniel, chapter 7. There's a description of a person called the Ancient of Days, the Son of Man. 
And so here, it seems as though he's, the scripture was so much part and parcel of his life. He talks about his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. You go to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 43, and Ezekiel chapter 1, read these verses. The voice was like the roar of rushing waters. I heard the sound of his wings like the roar of rushing waters, like the voice of the Almighty. And so he's seeing this vision, but he's, and he's interpreting and he's writing it down and he's in, incorporating in that references to the Old Testament, references to the Word of God. Because he was hiding God's Word in his heart, as David said, so that he might not sin against the Lord. He was allowing the Word of God to soak into him, to be part and parcel of him as a person. Because he was one who maintained this close, intimate relationship with the Lord. And one of the things that right in that very passage, in verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. He displayed humility, a great humility as he prostrated himself before the Lord. He recognised God's greatness and his insignificance. Recognized God's holiness and his sinfulness. He recognized that he was in the presence of the living Lord, his living Lord. And he humbled himself and really displayed great humility here in, the, in this passage in chapter, Revelation chapter 1. So here we've just given you a, a few isolated sort of pictures of some of the things that happened in John's life. We, we haven't, we don't, there's a lot of things that we don't know about him. But these are some of the things that we do know man. He was a man who was, he really had, was a man who responded to the call of God on his life. As he left his fishing nets and, and followed the Lord, even though they went back to them for a short time in John chapter 21, he followed the Lord. He responded to that call of God on his life. He continued to grow in his faith. And I'm sure he learned by his, from his, by his mistakes. He continued to serve the Lord even though he, his brother was, was martyred and other, he had other setbacks like being persecuted and, and put on an island and exiled. He still responded and followed God. He remained faithful to become a, a gentle and godly man who loved the Lord Jesus. And the tradition is that in the, as I understand it, is that he was there in Ephesus, in the church of Ephesus, and he was an old, frail man, and they would carry him out, and he would hardly be able to utter anything, but he would utter these words, brothers, love one another. And then he couldn't say, he was too weak to say anymore. That's the, the tradition. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But certainly, as I think of, of John, and as, I, as we think of many folk, we look at their lives, we can say, like the Apostle Paul, for I've already been poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. He was a man who walked in fellowship with God, and his life was being transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. 
Lord, we want to thank you for your word and for the things that we can read about different other people. And we thank you for the Apostle John who's given us this gospel that we're studying at the moment. And we thank you that he was a man who was trans being transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus and had a real passion and a heart to, to live for you. Help us, Lord, to, to walk with you today. Help us to be passionate followers of you and to passionately live for you and to serve you and to walk close to you because we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.